I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. This is a podcast we didn't really want to have to do. We hadn't planned it, but we're recording on Tuesday, the 25th of July. And this is the day after we heard about the tragic deaths of Trevor Francis, age 69, and Chris Bart Williams, age 49. So uh, two players who have a connection to Forest, very deeply ingrained in their history, also well thought of at their other clubs. So we are going to have a little chat about 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 the players and about their legacies. Uh, I'm joined by Maradon the Midlands and Adam. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to start off by by talking about Trevor Francis. Now, I'll let you into a secret, listener. Um, none of us are old enough to have seen Trevor Francis play in the red shirt of Nottingham Forest. So we thought we'd ask somebody who has. So uh, I asked Zigger Zagger what he thought um, were his memories of Trevor Francis and what he thought his legacy would be as a Forest player. Trevor Francis, I mean, what a what a player, what a signing. Um, not the sort of player we signed, too glamorous. If we were going to sign players from Birmingham, it was Kenny Burns and the likes of that, the sort of ne'er-do-wells and the waifs and strays. Trevor Francis was a, a big name, had been for a, a long time. Um, good-looking lad, very 70s, glamorous wife, had it, had it, had it all going on. Not, not, really, not really our sort of player, um, not really our sort of price tag, but then along he came and signed Cluffy had his red rally jacket on and squash racket in hand and um, I think sort of trying to play the whole thing down a bit um, I think he made Francis turn up for some youth team games early on and do some sort of fairly menial stuff Very all very Clough um, didn't play in the European Cup run until the final because he was, wasn't allowed to, he'd signed, he'd signed too late, but obviously massive impact with that, with that goal um, what a moment for our club! That's the iconic moment in our club's history. That one, isn't it? That and well, that and Robbo's the year after. Um, more of an impact the year after. Um, played all the rounds apart from the final. I think scored against Ajax in the semi-final, and scored two, if I remember rightly, against Dynamo Berlin in the in the quarter. So made a big a big contribution there. Things never really took off the. The year after, in a way, he went off to um, off to Man City. But yeah, it was it was it was the first time we felt like we've Forest we've we've arrived. He was the player you wanted to be on the playground even before he played for Forest. We'd watch him on Star Soccer on a Sunday afternoon. Birmingham featured a lot in that. They were a good side then and very very watchable, largely down to him. He was lightning quick. 
we all ran around on the playground with our school jumpers pulled down way over our hands because that was how he wore his shirts, long sleeve pulled pulled right down. Um, great footballer, really nice guy, apparently. Always seemed very quiet and humble and um, obviously a, a, an icon for, for our club. Thank you once again to Ziga Zaga. We really appreciate you taking the time to record that for us. Um, Maradon the Midlands, uh, we're not old enough to have seen Trevor Francis play for Forest, but we did catch his career as a player. And one of the things that's notable to me is that, you know, he was a player manager, a role that's fairly rare when we were growing up. And then he is probably thought of by Sheffield Wednesday fans as, as maybe their most fondly remembered manager from Sheffield Wednesday's glory years. Uh, what are your memories and thoughts about Trevor Francis? Yeah, I mean, with somebody who's so famous in the, in a forest shirt, he provided the most iconic moment in a in an era of iconic moments. And you sort of, you get that sort of almost false memory You've seen it so often, so it feels like you almost have been there. I did watch it live, but my I really first became aware of him sort of in in the late eighties um, when he sort of came back from Italy to uh, Glasgow Rangers. Uh, they had a whole load of English players up there: Chris Woods, Mark Hately, uh, I think Ray Wilkins even popped up for a bit. There's there's loads of Gary Stephen, Trevor Stephen. That wasn't confusing at all in, the, in those days. Um, <clears throat> And then um, we ha- after after he sort of moved to Sheffield Wednesday, uh, we had a classmate who was a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. So I think we probably took uh, a, a more of an interest in Sheffield Wednesday just through what's what's known as banter these days back in those days because we, we we got tr- the whole full tricky Trev treatment um, in the <laughs> late eighties, early nineties. Tricky uh, Trevor's Barmy Army. Tricky Trevor's Barmy Army. Yeah. Um, so we probably t- had a. More, more of a knowledge, working knowledge of Sheffield Wednesday than either was probably wanted at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he, even at that age, he, he, you could, you, you didn't see much of other other matches, other other teams play. But he, the reputation was still there that he, he could come on and change the game, and he still had that sort of class about him. And um, that that team he put together at Sheffield Wednesday at the time, obviously, we didn't want to admit it, but they were a really good team. We 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 were sort of uh, storage forest supporters, and we we were we were adamant that we were much better than Sheffield Wednesday at the time. But they that team of Chris Waddle, um, David Hurst, um, and quite a big Nottingham collect connection there as well. Um, in, mm-hmm. in Nigel Pearson and there's one or two others now that I can't remember. Viv Anderson, they were a really good team, and he really pushed them to to really high, um, really good heights and to sort of two losing two cup finals. In the same season to to the gritty Arsenal team of George Graham, it, it was a great period for him and a, and a great achievement. Yeah, and um, of course, one of the uh, things that's also worth remembering is that <laughs> Tricky Trev signed Nigel Jemson from Forest. Uh, he also, if I remember rightly, was the man who took Chris Bart Williams to Sheffield Wednesday, which we'll come back to later. Um, now, let's just you know remind ourselves of the facts. So Francis was. English football's first £1 million player. Brian Clough was adamant it's £999,999. Yeah. But 
apparently once you added in taxes and so on, it was just over a million pounds. Uh, signing him from Birmingham, where he'd created a reputation as being a terrific young pacey striker. Uh, he had to wait for his chances, a little bit slow going to start off with, but of course he made his mark when he scored that winning goal in the European Cup final to get Forrest probably the most important moment of Forest history, to be perfectly honest. He had 52 England caps, and uh, as we've just alluded to, he had a career as a player manager at Queen's Park Rangers and Sheffield Wednesday. He um, had also played across in Italy with Sampdoria in Atalanta, and as Maradona said there, with Rangers in Scotland. Uh, after he gave up, hung up his boots, he also managed Birmingham and Crystal Palace, of course, Birmingham, the club they had that really strong affinity with. Um, Adam, I mean, that's a, that's a glittering career. And, and you saw from the reactions of, of the John McGovern's and Frank Clark's and Viv Anderson's of this world, just how highly thought of Trevor Francis was. Yeah, um, speaking from maybe the, the younger audience perspective, um, I think that, you know, growing up as a Forest fan, surrounded by, you know, Man United fans, Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans, whatever, um, there was always, it would always come back to the fact that, especially when you had Chelsea and Arsenal fans in the picture at the time when I was younger, that we'd won the European Cup twice. And, you know, obviously, Trevor France was a massive part of that with the goal that he scored. And as, as soon as that goal went in, he was forever etched in Forest history, no matter what he did after that in a Forest shirt. So, um, it, it was terribly sad news, and you know, my my dad rang me with the news, and he was he was really upset and choked up, and um, I, I think that a lot of Forest fans would have been the same, you know, when a legend of your club um, dies, especially so young as well. Um, it is truly, truly sad news, but it, it, I think what the the club have done is is great. I mean, they, they've they've released. The news, and then they said that they've got a, a book for, for everyone to go and sign that's in front of the Peter Taylor stand. Um, so you know, obviously, any Forest fans listening to this that want to go down, I think it's, I think it's there for a couple of days, yeah, until Wednesday, Thursday time. So, um, the club have sort of reacted very quickly on that, but yeah, terribly sad news. And someone that no matter what happens in the future will probably always have the, the most famous moment in a Forest shirt. And Maradona, um, I don't know if you saw uh, John McGovern and, and Frank Clark talking yesterday. That was quite brave of them. They must have felt, I mean, we saw Viv Anderson um, on social media breaking the news and it must have been a terrible shock precisely because he's one of the younger members of that European Cup winning squad. So it must have been quite difficult in that sense for, for McGovern and Clark as two of the senior players to come to the realisation that one of their one of their younger younger colleagues and teammates is no longer with us. Yeah, I mean that that's <clears throat> sorry. That's what struck me um when when the news broke. It was it it wasn't somebody who I was expecting uh to go first, really. It's, it, I mean, he always looked fairly healthy. Um I know he'd had problems with his heart before and, and that sort of does take a toll on, on you. Uh but yeah, complete shock, complete and utter shock. And so sort of initially when when the news was sort of breaking on on Viv Anderson's Instagram page, I think we were all hoping that it it was it was a fake account or something, or so it was somebody else. It was just news, mm. and that it, that it wasn't true. It was it was um, yeah. It's it's really strange to sort of to sort of comprehend sort of somebody who's such a legend in the in the history of the club not being there anymore, and and one of the uh, miracle men 
to go. We all knew the day was going to come when when they started to pass away, but didn't think it would be him and didn't think it would be quite so soon. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Frank Clark was saying uh, that, you know, uh, Trevor, he was, you know, he's quite professionally kept kept himself to himself in that sense. But but Barry, uh, Barry, Gary Birtles also, Barry Gertles also um, did say that he, he was actually quite good friends with Trevor. And of course, just recently, they were both united in grief, having lost their uh, wives uh, to illness. Um, I'm, I'm suspecting Maradona that that was uh, them being a member of the Strikers Club. Both younger men in that squad, both being strikers, they they probably had a little bit of a bond there, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. I think just I think there's a lot has been made about Trevor not not necessarily being the most gregarious person, but he, he, his intelligence came over whenever he spoke. Um, he wasn't your sort of typical footballer, and that's I think that's why he he settled so well in Italy as well. And flourished there when when so many other people, people like say Ian Rush couldn't cope, uh, but he, he he had something more about him. And when he when he spoke, and he was so stylish as well. He always sort of had that sort of nice tan, always dressed but well. And he he was um, those those pictures of when he when he signed in the seventies. He just he was just a cool looking guy at the time. Um, and so yeah, I think for Gary Bertels, it it, it would have been it would have been. A natural bond to have there with somebody like Trevor coming in. I think he spoke yesterday about the thinking initially he was going to take his place, but once once that's out of the window and he didn't necessarily take his place, I think it allowed them to be uh, good friends. Mm, yeah. So naturally, we we extend our sorrows to the family, uh, the nearest and dearest of Trevor Francis. We extend our sympathies to the Miracle Men, for whom it must have been a terribly difficult day yesterday. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about another loss as we remember Chris Bart Williams. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to 1865. Uh, we had some thoughts in the first half of this podcast about Trevor Francis. And um, Adam, if we were shocked after the news of Trevor Francis, it was nothing compared to how we all reacted when the news started to filter through, uh, initially via Mark Crosley's social media, about Chris Bart Williams. Yeah, I mean, it will go down as just a, a, a truly awful day. Um, for the football club and for the families of um Trevor Francis and Chris Bart Williams. But look, I mean it it was it was really terrible news to get. You know, he was at Forest for you know seven years, he was at Forest for a long time. Um couple of years before I started going, I started going in 2004. But even then like you know someone that I was fully aware of, um someone that I had the pleasure of meeting when I was young, when I was a little kid. Um and everybody that's met him, everybody that's spoken to him or worked with him when he was in obviously Florida for the last couple of years, um, 
has said that he's just a truly lovely, amazing person that always wanted to help people get better. Obviously, that's why he was in coaching and, you know, that's what he was doing out in Florida. And I'm sure he was, you know, his his typical smiley self right up until the end. You know, it's, but it was terrible news. And for that news to break um, on the same day as Trevor Francis as well, just, it just, it compiled what was a a truly awful day. Um, Again, the club has paid paid tributes. um, But I think all we can say is obviously thoughts to his family because, it must have come to a shock to them. Obviously, we're not sure what's happened as of yet, but um, you know, it's it, it really is really is sad news. And um, just tell us about the time that you met him. So it was um, it was when I was like younger. It was actually before I started going to Forest. Um, so I was probably what four, three or four <laughs> years old, um, and it was just like a player meeting really obviously my dad was a big Forest fan um well obviously still is and, you know he's been a Forest fan since the 70s 80s and um we used to always take me down to the like when there were these like club meeting greets I think a lot of it was to do with the um like the junior Reds um I remember we got like, got, like a Christmas card every year that was signed by show with the bear and then um but yeah so we used to go down and meet obviously a lot of the players and stuff and um Obviously, I remember meeting Chris really fondly, and you know he was he was absolutely lovely to me then. And it's very like vague memories. Obviously, that was twenty one years ago now, but even then, it's you know people it has a lasting effect when you meet special people. And um, yeah, I, it was. I think it was more for my dad, but even then, I was still four years old. But I mean, I still I went to start going to Forest a couple of years after, so it must have had some sort of lasting effect on me. Um, Maradona. I- it's we talked about um the listeners will have worked out roughly what kind of age we are and uh growing up watching football in in the late 80s and early 90s i kind of knew about chris bowling was delighted when we signed him because i remember saint and greavesy banging on about him as a 16 year old at, at leighton or well as a 15 year old at leighton orient before he signed for sheffield wednesday as a i think he was uh only um 17 when he went to Leighton, uh, when he went from Leighton Orient to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, he was managed by Frank Clark at Leighton Orient and then signed by Trevor Francis. So, uh, um, you know, there's there's a lot of connection here. But yeah, you, you're, you're, you're smiling at me as I mentioned Saints and Greavesy. I was going to make the exact same point. And I've been trying to, I spent the afternoon trying to search in Google for a clip of it to make sure I hadn't dreamt it. But yeah, he, he was a, he was a, like a, a wonderkind of English football. There's so much hype around him. At the time, and as all the clubs were being sort of being linked with him, um, after that Saint and Greasy piece of the Boris Liverpool, all all the big clubs, and then when he went to Sheffield Wednesday, I, I tried to get confirmation of this online again, today, but I can't seem to get it. But I'm I'm sure it was a, uh, a British record transfer fee for a teenager at the time. Um, I think so. That rings a bell. Yeah, uh, but I, I can't. I haven't been able to confirm that. But yeah, he he was he was a well known guy. And it was just sort of, sort of very serendipitous of his being called Bart Williams at the time. It was at the point where The Simpsons was getting huge in, in the country. There was, a Bart, there was the Do the Bartman song being released. And uh, it also stars all sort of aligned to, to, to help him become more and more famous. And then when, I can remember exactly when, when he joined as well. I was, I was so excited because even at Sheffield Wednesday, he, 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 he played sort of quite, not every, every game. There's a bigger name players there like David Hurst and so on. 
but he was always someone I'd kept my eye on and always sort of secretly hoped we'd sign him at some point. And so when he actually came in that summer of 95 with Kevin Campbell, I, I was absolutely delighted. And um, he, it's easy, again, it's easy to forget he was actually he came for two and a half million, I think it was. And I think he was only 21 still when he joined. And But he'd been around for ages because of that prodigious nature of his career. For Sheffield Wednesday, he played um, in the FA Cup and League Cup finals that you alluded to earlier. Um, he played in Europe um, and then came for two and a half million in 1995. It took him a little while to get started. But if we just um, skip ahead one minute... So Stuart Pearce was the captain and Colin Cooper was the captain and and then Bart Williams got the captaincy. So in many ways, even though other players wore the armband in the interim, I actually think of, of Bartman as being somebody who was a proper leader figure when he had the armband because it was only for a season or so. But he really kept Forrest going, got, got, got hold of the games by scruff of the neck. Asked by David Platt to play in pretty much every position on the pitch except for possibly left back and goalkeeper. Um, and that season when Forrest was struggling, but Bartman used his force of personality as well as in his undoubted ability. I think that's the kind of thing that we will remember him fondly for, isn't it, Maradona? Yeah, it that and it's, it's just such a sort of he played football the way you wish you could play football. So he was skillful, he knew how to pass the ball, he scored goals, he thought intricate little tricks and things, a brilliant first touch. Anybody sort of growing up wanted to be that sort of player, and just that that ability gave him the gave him the uh, uh, the, the ability to control games, like you say, and and play in any any position. Um, he he really was a, a great player, and didn't really get the recognition he maybe deserved on a, on a national scale. Although he was sort of famous for being Chris Bart Williams, he, I don't I always feel felt that he never really got the recognition as for. The ability he he had, um, and again when he when he left Boris, he didn't really sort of do do great things after that. I thought he could maybe do do done a bit more because his career sort of petered out a bit, but which is a bit of a shame. But for Boris, he it did take him a while to get going, but once he did, he was a real leader out there. And Adam, I mean, we've all seen the clips. Clips have been going round of that that kind of chest down and volley that he scored against Chelsea in the Premier League, which is a goal of the month contender, uh, which was his first goal uh, in a Forest shirt, if I remember rightly. He made 238 starts and eight substitute appearances. He scored 35 goals. I say he, he captained the team for about a season and a half. And most famously, if we're talking about Trevor Francis's iconic goal in the European Cup final, Bartman scored his own iconic goal when around the time that you were just in nappies, um, Bartman uh, scored a goal in stoppage time against Reading that pretty much sealed Forrest's return to the Premier League in 1998. Um, a big game player, wasn't he, Adam? Yeah, I think some people just relish the opportunity to play in big games as well. And, you know, when you've got such a positive attitude and you play with such freedom when you have these big games and stuff they don't phase you in the same way they would, they would phase other people um, and I think that that is something that he went and had throughout his career you know, he wasn't scared of playing the big games you know when you come into senior football so young as well you you have to have a certain mentality to be able to handle that pressure or to handle that responsibility and that's something that you could absolutely do and you know that that moment as, as I would say will probably be 
again, a really important moment in our history. It's not obviously winning the European Cup, but it's the same time as in 20 years' time. I'm sure there'll be fans of my generation that will fondly remember Tyro Awini's goal against Arsenal that kept us in the Premier League. You know, that's ultimately what football is about, isn't it? It's about memories. It's about how you felt when something happened. Um, and I think a lot of people would remember him really fondly for that moment, along with his his absolutely fantastic dance moves. That if I tried to do after I scored a goal, I would look ridiculous. So fair play to him for that as well. <laughs> Maradona, I, I think I, I seem to remember. Um, uh, I mean, Baz would vouch for this. Baz was making the point in our group chat that uh, he and I always used to joke that when Born Slippy is when Forrest started using Born Slippy as their uh, run out song, that we were joking that Bartman was DJing in the uh, in the uh, in the tunnel waiting for the teams to come out. But he's a he's a big character, wasn't he? And in an era where you know dressing rooms were were pretty kind of you had to be met a man's man to go in there. He went into that forest dressing room as a young man held his own and then quickly became one of the senior players didn't he so it's a big character and you could tell that like when you saw him around and about I remember um being I think driving through West Bridgeford with my dad and Bartman was behind us in his convertible BMW you could just tell he's a big character he's the one who revolutionized he took over the stereo from Stuart Pierce so it wasn't all punk music in the uh, in the dressing room um those kinds of figures are really really important in a football club aren't they Maradona yeah and he he was just a cool guy I think for us us being that that particular age where him uh and sort of players like Paul McGregor and Scott Gemmell just a few years older than us we 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 sort of, I think we were, we were really attracted to those sort of guys and those sort of characters at the time they just they were sort of living the life we wanted as sort of teenagers uh looking up to them and um yeah it was it was just yeah the that, that sort of coolness sort of came across and everything. And that, and that and this, with the dance moves, that was going to be one of my memories. I was, I was going to say the obvious memory is that goal uh, against Reading, which uh, I don't know if you remember, but I, my, my brother and I were immortalised forever uh, was at the moment that goal was scored. So our <laughs> photograph was taken just as a, as a Sue scored and is used next se- the next season for the uh, season ticket leaflet. Uh, so we, 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 we were immortalised in that moment. So we're all inextricably linked to that forever now. But um, yeah, the the other memory was just just those sort of the wiggly bottom dance moves with Kevin Campbell, just uh, um, great things. And I also remember we when he first when he, when he started playing at Forest, we likened him to Tigger, the mm-hmm. uh, cartoon tiger, and he's just like it's just, there's a slight physical resemblance, but it's just his character is just like happy go lucky bouncy character, and I think it just personified him in 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 so so well with the, with that Tigger character. And um, I mean, obviously, his death at the age of 49 comes as a real shock. I'm sure Baz won't mind me saying that that there's only three weeks age difference between those two. I always remember how old Bartman is because he's the same age as Baz. Um, And to it's reported that he had a massive heart attack, Um, bearing in mind that I don't know much about about the guy's you know private life or anything um but uh he went on to obviously have a good coaching career doing youth academy stuff and everything you'd have thought he'd be a healthy guy he didn't drink when he was a player um jason lee was talking about that recently saying that he and scott gemmell and uh and bartman were the only players in that dressing room who didn't drink apparently um so that's 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 a real 
it, it just, I mean, it hits hard, doesn't it, when it's a player who's who's broadly speaking in your age group, who you grew up watching, who you who you idolised, who was the captain when when you imagined being the captain of, yeah. of your well, own I mean, club. Was, I mean, I, I find it hard enough to believe that he was forty nine because when when he came over recently, he, he looked the same. He didn't look he didn't look mm-hmm. any older. So to think now that he's not he's past is just it's just it's incomprehensible. I just can't believe it. It's. Uh, it's it's a, it's really it's really hard one to take. Mm. And Adam, we've uh, had a message from uh, from Tom on social media, and he's shared this story about about Bartman. He said that when Big Ron Atkinson took over at the end of Forest's last stint in the Premier League, he Tom wrote a letter asking if they needed any help translating for the French players, and Tom went in. He spent a lot of time with the squad. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but he said that quite a lot of the players and coaching staff were not very friendly. He names that Van Hooydonk and, and Steve Stone were very nice. But he said that Bartman was the nicest one of all. He had time for everyone. He chatted with them. He was an absolute darling with the with you know the the staff around the club, the cleaners, the cooks, the bus drivers who who were easily ignored by some of the big time Charlies. And he said he'd always say something lovely to him, accompany it with a smile, um, and and like so many people on social media are reporting people are saying that when they've met him when they've come across him Bartman was just a big hearted individual as well as a big character so once again it doesn't see it doesn't quite seem real does it, it doesn't seem fair that that one of those guys one of the good guys isn't with us anymore no not at all I mean obviously 49 again it's it's, it's no age is it really and you know it's it, it does seem they always say, don't they? It's, it's always the best people. It's always the nice ones, and you know that. I'm sure that will definitely be um, attributed to him. But but I think every football club needs those sort of characters, and I think in modern day football, I think it's it's dying. It's going away a little bit, and you know, like the footballers nowadays maybe have this different sense of importance. And you know, I'm sure there's loads of footballers that aren't like that at all, but. When you get these stories and when you I've been reading through Twitter and stuff and seeing people say, Oh yeah, like he, you know, I met him at um, when I was when I went down to the city ground and met him and he was he was so nice, like he signed my shirt and he took a picture of me and all this sort of stuff. And someone put a tweet up that made me made me smile a little bit. He said that if you could give if he only has one shirt a game, but if you could give like four or five shirts a game, he would have. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if they get fined for chucking their shirt in the crowd, you'd take the fine every week. And, you know, it, it, it's just nice. It's nice to see that. It's nice to hear that. And, you know, there was a lot of people um, actually posting from that the, the, um, he'd coached them and all that sort of stuff over in the States and said that he was just absolutely lovely. And I think sometimes when in football, it can be such a, it can be quite a toxic and, you know, environment football can, especially the coaching at younger ages and stuff. And, to have someone like that that will put your their arm around you and you know be nice and sort of help you positively and all that sort of stuff. It, it's nice to hear those stories come out and you know like I know he's he's, he's been the guest at the at City Grand quite a few times as well. I'm sure he was at Hillsborough as well for Wednesday and he, he's someone that will be very very much missed by I'm sure both fan bases. Mm, and just as an aside to that. <laughs> um, 
back in those days you had to play pay for the printing by the number of letters and numbers you had put on so when he was bart williams 11 you didn't see many of those shirts around because it would have cost an absolute fortune um married on the midlands just as a closing thought i mean um obviously that team who got us to the uefa cup who who got us promoted back to the premier league who were uh, united under the uh, reign of Frank Clark and then Dave Bassett and then uh, under uh, David Platt uh, it must be incredibly hard hitting for them because they are you know they're, they're not old men but also what a terrible day yesterday must have been for Frank Clark he'd just done the media rounds after hearing about the death of his teammate and now a player who he brought through as a first team at the age of 15 and then took him to Forest as a multi-million pound signing. Uh, what an awful, awful day. It was it, it it'll go down as a dark day in our history and it just um I just don't I just it's inc- incomprehensible how how both both could happen the same day. And it's just so sad. It's so sad. And just on a you know I'd like to also not ignore the fact that the you know the 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 sad news that started the day was at lunchtime when the death of George Alagaya was announced and this isn't a, a podcast about the news but on a personal note I'd like to just say that you know that was who that that was sad enough without then getting the other bits of news coming through as a forest supporter um we are going to leave it there and I want to say a big thank you to Maradon the Midlands, to Adam and to Zigazaga for their contributions in this podcast. Um, as you're aware, we had part one of our Grant Holt interview, which was in your feeds on Monday this week. And, and of course, we have events have overtaken us. We we're planning to release part two uh, during the week, but we'll hold on to that for another couple of days uh, while we digest this news. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. Podcast Network.